Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. Book of John, chapter number four, verses number four, just a few scriptures, and we will dive into the text. The Bible declares, now he had to go through Samaria. Somebody shout, he had to. He had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Verses 6 declares, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you, will you give me a drink? Look at this woman's response, verse number nine. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. What's wrong with you, G? <laughs> Tim declared, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Bow with me in a word of prayer. Father, now in Jesus' name, I thank you so much, God, for this time, for this opportunity to share the word of God with the people of God. I thank you for what you have downloaded in my spirit. But I realize, God, without your power and your provision, I am, I am not worthy, God, neither am I capable to minister this word. So anointing of God, I'm asking you to rest upon me, Lord God. Give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech. Impact the lives of your people so that we leave this place changed. We leave this place better now. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. One of my uh, favorite passages of scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11. And one of the reasons I really love Jeremiah 29, 11, because the context of what it's saying um, God is speaking to a people that feel as though that he has abandoned them. How many of you guys have ever gone through either a great trial or you just went through a trial for a long time and it felt as though God, God forsook you? Amen. Now, that's not, that's not a comfortable thing to say in church because sometimes we put on our little church mask as, as if we got it all together and our faith has never been shaken. But the reality is all of us from time to time go through catastrophic events that shake our faith. Well, the people of God are in that position right now, and God has to encourage them through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, for I know, somebody shout, God knows. God knows. I love it. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I shared this thought on Facebook the other day. Don't let what you see make you forget what I said. Somebody say amen to that. Yeah, yeah, so, so God has, somebody shout, God has a plan for me. I want, I want you to embrace this idea that God has, you're, you're not just an afterthought, but God has planned out, matter of fact, from the womb all the way to the tomb. God has your life mapped out, and he has great things in store for you, but here, here is the deal, man. Oh, my, oh, my. It's, it's not the plans that I really trip about as a child of God. It's his ways. Because the plans are what he got in store for me. The ways are the way he's going to bring about those plans in my life. Are y'all with me in this place? Yeah, yeah. Psalms, Psalms uh, 95.10 highlights this. It says, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation. 
and said, it is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. 103.7 says, he made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. And this is why they kept getting into trouble, because they understood that God had something in store for them, because he kept prophesying to them about a promised land that he was going to bring them to. But they were tripping about the way he was going to bring about that promise in their lives. So just for a moment, I want to highlight the ways, God's ways of Christian maturity. Anybody in here want to grow? I want to grow. I want my life to go to the next level. I don't want, watch this, I don't want the testimony that in 2020, January 2020, that I'm the same guy, watch this, that I was in 2019. Neither do I want the testimony that 2018, 2019, I haven't grown at all since 2019. Uh, did I mix that up? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't trip. So God has, somebody shout, God has ways. God has ways, and there, there are various ways that God uses, but I want to I highlight these, these, four, these four ways that God uses when he gets ready to grow somebody up in him. Four, four ways I want to highlight. Number one, mentorship. Two, discipleship. Three, coaching. Number four, counseling. Let's highlight this. Mentoring is the commitment of a trusted God or advisor to train in, an, in a certain area. Whereas discipleship is the process of observing and practicing the patterns of a respected teacher. So what's the difference between the two? Mentoring, and I'm looking for a mentor right now. I'm looking for a writing mentor. I need to be sharpened in my writing right now. And a mentor, what they do is they cover a particular area. They're someone who has mastered or matured to a certain extent in a particular area. Whereas a disciple, a, a, a discipleship is a, is a program where you have somebody who has, has, has gained... Um, their character is well developed. So whereas I'm looking at somebody's individual area in their lives as a mentor, discipleship, I'm looking at your lifestyle and I'm trying to model my lifestyle after yours. Are y'all with me? Amen. Coaching is a process of helping someone to become aware of their potential and then stretching them to help maximize that potential, whereas counseling is a process of helping one become whole by addressing dysfunctions of the past. Now, you gotta, you gotta be careful because there's a difference between coaching and counseling. Coaching looks to the future. Counseling deals with past, past issues, and, and you gotta be careful um, calling yourself a counselor with no degree or with no training or with no experience. I wanna help just two people in here. Anybody ever seen the movie Pet Cemetery? Yeah. 40 and older, right. <laughs> Pet Cemetery, you gotta be careful what res what's resurrected. Because you just might bring up some issues that you might not have the wisdom to help some. In either case, when God prepares to launch you into your destiny, he often pairs you with someone with vision and who has achieved a level of success that you lack. So Joshua, he's going to connect with Moses, Ruth, Naomi, Elijah, He's going to connect with the prophet Elijah. Mary is going to be encouraged by Elizabeth Paul. He went, wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, but we may not have even known his name if it wasn't for Barnabas. Right. Timothy, he's going to be the successor of Paul, but before you take my place and manage the churches as an apostle, you need to be trained by me as well. And here we are in the text, the Samaritan woman. If she is going to reach her full potential, she has to have an encounter with Jesus. Now, at the end of the text, the Samaritan woman, I mean, it's off the chain. She's going, she's going to go and, and evangelize the whole territory of, of Samaria. People are going to run to Jesus, and they're going to say, we believe in you because of this woman's testimony. 
But before we get to the end of the chapter, there's some work Jesus got to do. He got to do a little coaching. He got to do a little counseling. He going to bring up some past stuff. He going to tell them, bring, bring me your five husbands. I ain't got no husband. You right, you ain't got one. You had five, and the brother you with right now? But as many of us, as a pastor, my, my role shifts. Sometimes I'm a counselor, sometimes I'm a coach. <laughs> and I like coaching better than counseling, praise the Lord. <laughs> I like, go get them. <laughs> the counseling, oh Lord. <laughs> Digging up stuff. Sometimes I'm a mentor. Sometimes I'm a discipling individual. And... A lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people, I'm not even going to say a lot of people, there are some times when people try to violate this way of mentoring, and they want to do it a different way, and God has many ways, but this is one of his ways that he uses to perfect people. The issue that I want to highlight is, what do you do when God chooses somebody you don't want him to use? And I'm getting ready to highlight an issue in this woman's heart. I just want to help a few people. I got I to gotta deal with this. Um, the Bible declares that Jesus, Jesus had to go through Samaria. So although the woman is coming to the well at an obscure time because she don't want to fool with nobody, she got a bad reputation, she, she's, uh, she's ostracized within her community, she really wanna, don't want to deal with nobody, don't talk about my past, don't encourage me, don't counsel me, I'm, I just want to do me, go about your business. And maybe that would be okay if you're going to stay at the same level for the rest of your life, but I just asked the question, how many of you guys want to grow to the next level? And if you're going to grow to the next level, nine times out of ten, God's going to bring, he's going to pair somebody alongside you that's going to help take you to the next level. So he says, NIV, he had to go through Samaria. Samaria, KJV says, he must needs go through Samaria. Verse 6 declares, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, now, we're getting ready to highlight what's going on in this girl's heart. Verse 9 says, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you add, you, you black, and I'm white. How can you ask, you from Nagaport, and I'm from Tyrenkey. <laughs> How can you ask me for a drink? Don't you know black folk don't associate with white folk? Don't you know folk from Nagaport? We don't kick it with the folk in, okay, Forest Heights? <laughs> the Samaritan woman is about to miss a once-in-a-lifetime gift because of the historical racial tension between Jews and Samaritans, and I'm challenging somebody in this place that you might be getting ready to miss a unique opportunity in your life simply because the person that God is using is different from you. 
if they looked like me, if they were the same color as I was, if they were the same gender as I was, I would be okay. But because they're different from me, I have a problem receiving God through them. I want to help somebody because when God ministers to you, often he ministers through somebody just to get to you. Can you say amen in this place? Samaritan woman, she's about to miss a one, one in a lifetime gift because of some dumb stuff called racism. Racism is the belief that a particular ethnicity is superior or inferior to another. There's a great book that I'm reading called The Third Option by Miles McPherson, and he, he highlights three types of racism, institutionalized, personal, and internal racism. I want to define these. Institutionalized racism exists when one group withholds from another group access to basic needs, such as adequate education, health care, good jobs, or political representation. The basic necessities of life are withheld on a perceived right to dishonor another, another people group as a whole. Personal racism occurs when one individual dishonors another based on their race. As an example, calling someone a racial, racially de, uh, uh, derogatory name or denying them an opportunity because of their color or ethnicity, whereas internalized racism occurs when a person adopts. <laughs> it's not that somebody did something to you, but you adopt the negative views and labels others have given them involves both conscious and unconscious acceptance of racial hierarchy in which one group is consistently ranked above another. This Samaritan woman is dealing with a form of internalized racism. Look at what she says. You are a Jew. How can we have any interactions because you are Jew and I am a Samaritan, NLT says, the woman was surprised. I want to help somebody in this place. For Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritan. Look at her attitude, y'all. She has adopted a negative view about others that was passed down to her from somebody else. Now, I got to deal with this in this place because, understand, I believe that God is getting ready to take us to the next level, and everybody he's going to use is not going to be like us. And there are some of us, there, there are some of us, I, I dare to say maybe even many of us in our, in our home and our families of origin, there are certain ideas that we have adopted over the years that might even still be affecting us right now. Real quiet up in here, but it's all it's all good. Let me let me be transparent. So if I if I be transparent, you might be transparent. No, 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 no offense, no offense. But watch this. I was in the store one day, and a white lady smiled at me. Smile, go ahead and smile. Your smile. I ain't watching nothing. I'm dealing with it. Watch this. I told I told one of my my my, my uncle, I said, hey, aunt, she's a lady, a white, I was like nine years old. That lady smiled at me. He said, hey, 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 son. Don't you trust no white lady. She'll smile at you and stab you in the back. Now, you hear that enough times, y'all, come on. And then within my, within my sphere of influence and my family, you sure better not date no white lady, sell out. Just let that linger in the air just for a second. Bring a white girl home if you want. Hey, 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 Pop. What, what's it? Then, watch this. My family, they'll do the same thing as, as they do. Hey, how you doing, sweetie? Yeah. When we close it up, what in the? 
still grow up with this negative perception against white women. And guess what? They ain't did nothing to you. I don't know what they did to my uncle. <laughs> hey, he about deserved it because he was a trip. I, I, I understand. Be transparent, man. I was getting ready to go to USM. And this, this granted, this time, grandma said, grandma, grandma said, whatever you do, honey, don't you stop in Wiggins. And Wiggins has come a long way. They got a Walmart now, you understand? <laughs> they got a Walmart in a red light. She, she even went, watch this. It wasn't just, she said, don't trust nobody in Wiggins. White, black, or red. <laughs> if your car break down, get out and push. Don't, don't call nobody, because you can't trust nobody. I don't know what happened Wiggins and Grandma Day, but she said, don't trust nobody. So, so watch this. If you hear this enough, if you hear this enough, don't trust nobody in Wiggins. Don't trust nobody in Wiggins. Don't trust nobody in Wiggins. If you hear this enough, don't fool with white women. Don't talk to white women. Don't associate with white women. If you hear this enough, in just a moment, it becomes internalized because you begin to see a skewed view of anybody that's white, and you never get to know anybody. You never interact with anybody without this skewed perspective. Now, I'm just being honest, but if you be honest, there are some of you guys, you have heard certain things about certain people. And, and it's, for some of us, it ain't even, it ain't even race. It's, it's that girl, girl, all men are dogs. Just find the best one you can, all them dogs. <laughs> amongst my group of friends, amongst my group of friends, don't fool with light skin. Don't fool with red bones, period. Brothers or sisters. Black of the berry. I can't get a witness of it. I'm serious, amongst the brothers especially. It was a it was a war against dark brothers and light brothers. We ain't like yellow brothers. It don't have no curly hair up in here. We hate you even more. Oh, you say pretty eyes. Watch it now. Watch it. Watch it. <laughs> you already talking about my boo. <laughs> Y'all pray for the McKee household. Praise the Lord. Now, now watch this. The, these, this, this idea of internalized racism where you adopt this negative view, you, you, so, uh, many of us have not even had those type of experience. Yes, I've been called the N-word. Yes, I've, I've, been, uh, uh, I've experienced personal uh, racism where somebody of the opposite or somebody uh, uh, of a different ethnicity or color have, have, have uh, spoken uh, negative words against me. Yes, but most of the stuff that my family told me to be careful of I've never experienced it personally. And even in the areas where I have, I didn't experience from everybody of that race. So what internalized racism will do is, if you, this is bred in your heart enough, you will be be become prejudiced and begin to discriminate against everybody that's associated with that gender, everybody that's associated with that race. And, and watch this. It really is. It's okay. It's okay if you plan to never grow 
and to stay in the bubble for the rest of your life. But if you ever plan to take your life to the next level and allow God to bring whoever he wants, it might be a white woman that he uses to mentor you. He might use Sister Jessica back there from Wiggins to disciple and coach you. <laughs> Wiggins in the house! Walmart! <laughs> in, in either case, when God prepares to launch you into your destiny, he often pairs you with someone with vision and who has achieved the level of success that you, that you lack. And if you keep If you keep certain people out because of their color, because of their gender, you might not just be blocking them, you might be blocking the hand of God. So this is what we're going to have to do, man. God help me in this place. When it comes to race, when it comes to people in, gen in general, we're going to have to develop a biblical perspective concerning people. This is a biblical perspective. There are many shades, but one image. Many highlight shades. Okay, okay. So, so, so you you've heard this before. Um, when you th there are white, colored, other. When the reality is, all of us are colored. I am a lighter color. Then laugh. My wife is a lighter color than me. Sister Wendy, lighter color than my wife. We all have different shades. Do, do you know, biologically speaking, we are we are ninety nine point five percent the same. All of us. I was picking with Deacon Jernigan this morning. He, I didn't tell him where I was going with this. Um, Deacon. Can, Dick is getting ready to have a kidney transplant. Can we bless the Lord for, for that? Yeah. We're going to be praying for him. In just a minute, he's going to be skipping around. He's going to be mad at the world again because everybody's doing his job. Sit down. I got a new kidney now. Get out the way. I got it. Now. I got my kidney back. Y'all get out of here. I asked Dick this morning. I said, Dick, does it matter? When you get the transplant, if you get a, a white man's kidney or a black man's kidney. You know what he said? He said, I don't care if I get a horse kidney, as long as I get a kidney. <laughs> now, you're probably not going to get a horse kidney, but you know. <laughs> watch this, watch this. How can, how can somebody of Japanese or, origin we can take their kidney and put it into, you from Nagaport? Where you from? New York. New York. Anybody else in from New York? Something about them New Yorkers. You ever lived in Nagaport? Oh, yeah. You from Nagaport, then. <laughs> you from Nagaport. How is it somebody from Japanese, European origins? We can take one of their kidneys and put it into a man, a black man's body. It's because within, we're all the same. Different shades, but one image. The Bible declares in Genesis 1.26, it says, 
Then God said, let us make man in our what, y'all? In our own image. And this is what happens. This is what happens. When you deny somebody based on their color, you don't even know it, but you are dishonoring the image of God. Because despite their shade, they're still created in his image and in his likeness. Can somebody say amen to that? We have to develop a biblical view, a godly view when it comes to race, when it comes to ethnicity. And John 3.16 says, for God so loved who, y'all? He loved everybody. So how you going to be his and not love everybody? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Revelation 79 says, after this I looked, John writes, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, John looked up into heaven and he saw everybody from everywhere. In heaven, it's not going to be a black section where they playing basketball and barbecuing. And then a white section, what y'all do, play golf? <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, dog, we queuing over here, Mike. <laughs> hey, Michael, you in? Ah, uh, you go tomorrow. No, 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 no. Just going to be one heaven, and we all going to be there. Amen. We all going to be together. So we all going to be together there. I think we need to start practicing, right? Amen. Amen. I'm almost done, man. Watch this. The problem with racism is not skin, but sin. It's not skin. It's sin. And when you have bitterness in your heart against somebody else, and, and, and again, this, this fits into several categories because for some of you guys, again, it's not just skin. It's, it might be because... Um, you had you had an uncle or you had a dad or you had some male figure to treat you or to mistreat you or to touch you in a place they shouldn't have touched you and now you have this negative thing towards men and, and you think it's just men but no it's actually sin in your own heart. Yes they sinned against you but you're harboring sin, unforgiveness and bitterness in your own heart against all men because what that man did to you. And my uncle, because what some woman did to him, now he's trying to put some view on me that all white women ain't no good. The devil is a liar. <laughs> the problem is not with skin, but it is with sin. John, watch this, Romans 3.23 says, for all, somebody shout all. all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody. Everybody, in some capacity, in some way, your sin might be different than mine, but it's still sin. Maybe I ain't sleeping around no more. That's good. I ain't sleeping around no more, but I'm still cussing. I ain't cussing no more, but I'm still lying. I ain't lying no more, but I'm still getting high. So it says, for all have sin and falling short of the glory of God. So that puts all of us on the same playing field. So therefore, therefore, if all of us are on the same playing field, watch this, 1 John 1, 8 says, if we claim to be without sin, if you, if you look at yourself and say, ain't nothing going on in your heart, because watch this, there are sins of the flesh, there are sins of the flesh, and then there are attitudinal sins. Amen. 
sins of the flesh. You, you stole something, you slept with somebody that wasn't your spouse, but attitudinal sin, you got this, you got this bitterness, this hatred in your heart, this, this thing within you that rejects other people or that discriminates against other people just because they're different from you. So it might not be a physical sin, but it's an attitudinal sin. And he says, if you ain't got nothing in your heart, you lying. That's why we all need to be here every Sunday. They say, God, here I is. Clean your boy up. Deal with this craziness, with this madness that's in my... Is anybody in this place? So he goes on to say, if we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Somebody shout, Lord, purify me. Okay, so where, where, where you going with this, Pastor McGee? Ooh, ooh, let's, let's, let's take it to the next level uh, because, because we, we started out with this idea that God wants to mature you, and this is what we're going to spill into on Thursday night, and it's going to be such a blessing. God wants to mature you, and in his process of maturing you, what he does is he often pairs you, um, um, Paul, with a Barnabas. And Barnabas is one that, that, that is well accepted in the community. He is well versed in the scripture. So he can take a new convert that everybody hates and don't want nothing to do with. Because, you know, Paul was persecuting Christians, right? Yeah. So, so Paul was not accepted into the Christian community. So, so Barnabas hooked up with him and he was like, hey, he ain't kill me yet. So if he ain't kill me, he ain't going to kill you. So if Paul's going to be all that God wants him to be, he has to hang around Barnabas in order to mature him and to perfect him. As Mary, if Mary is going to be encouraged about this new thing that's going on on the inside of her heart, she has to hook up with her, with, with Elizabeth. If, if Elijah is going to be the great prophet that does 32 miracles, he has to connect with the prophet Elijah that does 16 miracles. So, so this, this, this idea of God maturing us, that's one aspect, but I believe God wants to take it to a whole nother level. This is what God wants to do. We have a responsibility to pack this house out. And it's not that God wants to just mentor you, disciple you, coach you, but God wants to use you as a mentor. He wants to use you as a disciple. He wants to use you. And, and, and the reality is there are people that God is going to send you to, Barnabas. There are some, the, some Saul's and Paul's that God is going to send you to that's not going to look like you. And how, willing, how, how much of a willingness are you going to have to help them if you hate them? So the question is, not do you want to grow, do you actually want to be used by God? Because if you want to be used by God, not just grow, but actually be used by God, then there are some things in your heart that God wants to fix because I'm going to send you to some people that don't look like you. That's our responsibility as a church. That's a small goal, but here's the major goal. There are 71,822 people that God is going to use us to reach and impact in some type of way. They're all not going to fit in this building right here, but in some type of way, we're going to mentor them. We're going to provide some type of program for them. We're going to disciple them. We're going to coach them. It might just be in their finances, how to better budget their finances. It might be, it might be uh, homeless people. It, it may be uh, teen, teen uh, mothers. It might, I, I don't know what it is. It might, it might be uh, uh, older people providing services for them, senior people. I don't know what it is, but some type of way, God is going to use us to impact the people within this city and we have to look through his lens not not the lens of what our family told us because I'm not the only one in this place that your family told you some things that were wrong about other races and other people and although you may not personally you may not uh, uh, attribute 
personal racism where you, you begin to speak to them negative or treat them in a negative way, but there is an internalized thing in your heart that may never manifest, but it's still there. And if God's going to use us, you have to at least be honest and say, God, there's some stuff going on in my heart. And I need you to forgive me. And not only forgive me, I need you to cleanse me. Because sometimes, I'll I, I tell you something, this is kind of off the subject, but it's kind of funny. Um, I grew up in a, <laughs> uh, many of you guys know my testimony, I was saved at the age of eight, called to preach when I was 13 years old, preparing to preach my first sermon when I was 17 or 18 years old, I can't remember. And um, uh, so my, my dad, he was my trainer, he was my instructor in the word of God. When I got in trouble, all, all of my other siblings, they got in trouble, they got whoopings. I got in trouble, I had to go read my Bible. And I gladly read my word. <laughs> Some of y'all children are like, why you won't do that to me? <laughs> and so he, he trained me in the word of God. And um, uh, my, my background is Pentecostalism. And uh, so one of, the, one of the doctrinal things within um, our denomination is that uh, women could not wear pants. And I never forget Brother Monte because when I went to USM, I wasn't looking for no girlfriend. You understand? Looking for a wife. I was tired of the high school games of, you know, a girlfriend. I was looking for a wife. And I'll never forget my, my sophomore year, I walked on the campus. And I, I remember in front of Commons, I remember praying the prayer. I said, God, I ain't going to never find me a wife. All these sisters wearing pants. <laughs> That's what I told God. Watch, watch it. That thing was in me. Come, come, come on. It, it was it. Was in. I grew up, you was going to hell if you was wearing pants. And I'm still tripping right now sometimes because I grew up, cards are sending you to hell. So when y'all be playing space, I be like, no. <laughs> My kids be like, Dad, you want to play Uno? No, 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 I can't. Lo and behold, I meet my wife, and she rocking some Levi's. I'm like, Lord. I'm telling you, when something is in you, you have to allow God to deal with your heart to get it out of you. So if you're the individual in here, and you have this skewed view towards a particular race, towards a particular people group, towards a particular uh, agenda, if, if you have that skewed view, you need to lay on the surgery table and allow God to deal with that in your heart. Amen. So I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a general prayer in just a moment. I'm going to do a general prayer in just a moment, but nine and a half times out of ten, for somebody it might happen, but for nine, nine and a half times out of ten, after I do the general prayer, you will be better, but you won't be whole. So that means there's some homework that you got to do on a daily basis to say, God, I'm struggling with this, and I need your help. And I have to be honest. I went to the scripture, and I, I saw, because I started studying the word of God for myself and not just, not just taking somebody's opinion just because they're my pastor. And by the same token, I don't want you to ever do that. Just embrace the scripture just because I said it. Go home and study it for yourself. Amen. Because this is the process of preaching. I give you information. 
But the information that I give you is revelation to me because I've spent personal time with God. So what you do is you take information, you take it into meditation, and then God will birth revelation on the inside of you. Because revelation, if you have revelation, then you got a bulldog hole on that particular passage of scripture. And can't nobody shake you. But if it's just information in your head, the first time you hear somebody, the first time you hear something on YouTube that contradicts what I said, you will shake because it's just information. But if you take information into meditation, then it becomes revelation. Once it's revelation, you can't be shaken off that thing. So women not wearing pants was revelation to me because I meditated on it. But then I went to the scripture when it says a man, a woman shouldn't wear anything pertaining to a man. I started really looking at that, looking at that, looking at that, looking at that. They didn't wear jeans in the scripture. Matter of fact, the brothers wore robes. So her dress actually looks more like a robe, but the brothers was actually. So brothers wasn't wearing pants, so how is that that a sister can't wear anything pertaining to a man? Once I saw that in scripture, I had to change and number one, stop condemning sisters because they were wearing pants. So watch this, watch this. I outwardly, I outwardly start, stop condemning them because I will, I, I will go ahead and send you to hell now. Y'all, y'all, y'all go, y'all. I'm being honest up in her. I was serious about Jesus. And if it said you shouldn't wear anything pertaining to them, you're going to hell. It's your fine self. <laughs> so watch this. Watch this. I saw it in the scripture. But when I started having daughters and, and, and Aisha, when we took her to the store, and my, my wife said, how do you think Aisha look? Why she got on pants? <laughs> it was still in me. Years later, still in me. No, I'm not outwardly condemning, but it's still in me. And I'm saying for some of us, there are some prejudiced things that might be in our heart, some racial things that still might be in our heart. And I'm telling you, Samaritan woman, if you don't allow God to start dealing with your heart right now, there's coming a day where either God's going to bring somebody in your life that you have this thing against. Either they're going to mentor you or God's going to use you or want to use you to mentor them. And you might blow the moment because you had allowed him to deal with that thing in your heart. Amen. Am I making sense in this place? Amen. So let, let, me, let me share this and I'm done. I'm done. Somebody shout, Lord, process me. Lord, process me. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org, and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.